hauling Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us on this episode. Terry Burkhart with Allstate's Ag Parts talks tractor winterization. John Schofield with Kloss talks about the manufacturer's expanded lineup of hay and forage tools. We hear about some interesting technology developments in the cattle industry, including dairy farms in Minecraft and bovine facial recognition. Are you ready for that? Our buddy Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer, brings us another installment of Bushels and Scents. We stand for the flag with our buddy Dustin Collins, and Mira Goto drops by to share some new music. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, we want to welcome back to the program Terry Burkhart with Allstate's Ag Parts, which not only is the largest supplier of used, new, and remanufactured tractor and combine parts in North America, but also supplies parts for skid steers, planters, drills, hay balers, swathers, construction equipment, and other ag equipment. And uh, Terry, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks, Brett. Good to be back. Well, Terry, winters come unseasonably early to your neck of the woods up there in Iowa, so this seems like a good time to start talking about getting that tractor ready for the winter months. Yeah, uh, we had nine inches of snow earlier this week in uh, parts of central Iowa here, and, uh, you know, we get pretty rough winters sometimes, but starting that early in October is is uh, quite a shock. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, there's a few things uh, we want to talk about today about getting your tractor ready for winter. Uh, a lot of them are, are simple maintenance items, uh, and some of them are things that uh, maybe you didn't know products were available to uh, help you out in that area. Uh, one of the first things is obviously your battery. Um, you know, you should go through and check all of your connections on your battery. Make sure your terminals, all your ground wires, all your connections are free of oxidation make sure those connections are all tight and secure. Um, we sell interstate batteries at our stores, uh, if you're close enough to one to, uh, to drive in and pick one up. Another uh, thing that will help keep your battery going um, is a battery heater. Uh, those are plug-in units that you can put in uh, with the battery and keep it warm, um, which will help uh, keep the cranking power up there. Um, then when it does snow or ice or even mud, um, you know, a set of new tire chains uh, does a lot of good for uh, keeping traction. Put those on the rear, uh, four by fours, you can put them on the front as well. Uh, we have a complete line of tractor tire chains uh, as well as skid steer uh, chains. Uh, so we should be able to keep you moving through all the winter weather uh, with some good chains. Um, you know, and this isn't really a, a winter prep item, but it's something that this time of the year, as the days get shorter and shorter, uh, we're going to have um, the need for using those lights on your tractor more. Uh, so make sure the lights are all working well. If you need to replace some or want to upgrade, uh, make sure you look at some LED lights. Um, those use considerably less uh, amperage than the 
older units and are much, much brighter and last uh, years and years. Um, and on a side note on that, we do have a light sale that will be coming up on November 3rd uh, on our website, tractorpartsasap.com. And almost every light will be on sale during that time frame. So if you are in the market for lights, uh, keep that date in mind, November the 3rd, and check us out on the website. Um, another item that you might not think of about getting ready for winter, but uh, now would be a good time to go ahead and get all of your hitches and any other devices that you might need to attach your uh, snow removal equipment. Then one of the last things I've got here, you know, keep yourself warm. Um, you know, what kind of cab you have or no cab on your tractor, uh, we've got a couple of different products that can help keep you warm. Uh, blower motors, uh, auxiliary heaters, uh, those kind of things for those of you with a cab tractor, make sure those are working well. Uh, you can add an auxiliary heater if you just need more heat. heat. Um, and if you're on a tractor, an open station tractor without a cab, uh, we, ca we carry what you call a, a vinyl heater cab. Uh, in the east, they call them heat housers. And uh, these things attach around the engine and um, direct that heat from the engine up toward the operator station. And surprisingly, um, they capture a lot of heat and move that heat up and keep you pretty warm, even in an open station tractor. Um, so we've got those. Uh, we also have um, skid steer enclosures, and uh, those make it easy to keep you warm in there. Uh, keeps the elements, all, not just the cold, but the snow and rain off you as well. Um, a lot of these winter items will uh, also be on sale. Uh, those will start next week on the 27th, uh, Tuesday. And uh, those items will all be on sale at that time as well on the tractorpartsasap.com website. And uh, Brent, before we go, I want to congratulate you on all the uh, new things you've got going on with Fast Line Fast Track. I'm not only a guest on your on your program here, but uh, I tune in on a semi-regular basis and listen to some of the things you got going there, and I think it's pretty exciting, and, and I've been enjoying it a lot. Well, thank you so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Uh, uh, we are definitely uh, putting together some big things here, and I hope people are paying attention to those, and if not, uh, go back and, and look at some of these old episodes here. Terry's been on a number of times here, and I always enjoy having him on as a guest. And if you're unfamiliar, want to let you know that Allstate's Ag Parts has 15 locations nationwide, including 11 salvage yards, two rebuild facilities, a 217,000 square foot flagship location in Lake Mills, Iowa, which includes a centralized distribution center that has every kind of farm equipment replacement part you can think of, and also stocks industrial and construction parts. So I hope you will check them out for all your winterization needs or just any general maintenance needs. They have aftermarket used and remand parts all with industry-leading one-year warranty on all parts. And as Terry said, make sure you get on over to TractorPartsASAP.com. That's TractorPartsASAP.com. Give them a call at 877-530-4430. And uh, Terry, as always, it's great to have you here on the program, and uh, we hope we can get you back on here uh, uh, to talk about some stuff here in the near future. 
Yeah, always looking forward to it. Thanks again, Brent. All right. And again, we've been talking with Terry Burkhardt of All States Ag Parts. Chandler Equipment. For 51 years, Chandler Equipment has been manufacturing excellence. The finest quality in pull type and truck mount fertilizer lime spreaders and litter spreaders, fertilizer tenders, seed tenders, and litter conveyors. They also sell a full line of Raven Industries Precision Ag products. To find out more about the full Chandler product line or to find a Chandler Equipment dealer near you, visit ChandlerEquipment.net or give them a call at 800-243-3319. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, Ag Equipment manufacturer Kloss last week announced six additions to its line of Orbis headers and disco mowers to further complement its range of hay and forage tools. So we wanted to bring in John Schofield, the company's North American marketing coordinator, to talk about them. John, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, thank you. Thank you, Brent. Appreciate uh, appreciate being here. So these tools were designed for customers who run hay and forage-based operations and need more robust machinery. And not only were they designed to be durable, but like everything else Kloss has introduced lately, it's all about cutting down the time farmers spend in the field. Absolutely. You know, uh, when we look at the product introductions we had here, uh, we're really talking about a couple different lines uh, with our Orbis heads or we're talking about our Jaguar forage harvester, something we've been known for for many years. Uh, Kloss actually invented the category many, many years ago, and the Jaguar is still the number one selling forage harvester out there. Um, so when we look at our Orbis heads, these are the big ones that go into the corn uh, for corn silage production primarily. Um, and we've had some really good results with our, our new ones. The Orbis 900 um, is something that uh, has really kind of taken off. Um, it's a little lower profile. It's uh, faster unfolding um, and uh, really does a good job uh, in all types of crops. In fact, uh, we just had it running in some down corn in central Iowa from the derecho winds and um, had some really good results picking up uh, down corn as well. So really flexible Um you know, that's that's what we're looking at there. Uh, that was the Orvis 900 head. Uh, obviously, we have a 450 head as well, which is uh, a little smaller. Um, and those two round out a product introduction that has been two years in the making are Orvis 600 and Orvis 750 heads. So kind of in between those two models, as far as size goes, um, those were introduced uh, the year prior. So this kind of rounds out that line. And then we have our Disco uh, um, rear mowers. Um, we have our 10 series. Uh, we have a 32, 28, and uh, 24, as well as a 3600, uh, or I'm sorry, 360, uh, which gives you a little bit more length on that, uh, on that disc mower. Um, it uh, you know, competes with some of the other smaller mowers out there. But um, it, it is built like a lot of our large uh, mowers, our big triple mowers that uh, we're kind of known for. Um, the cutter bar is a little bit more robust, and uh, we've got a little bit more flexibility on, uh, on you know, how you use that. And, and the cut quality has been fantastic with those. So I want to go back a little bit to these uh, sure. Orb- Orbis headers. You know, you talk about the uh, getting through that derecho corn there in Iowa, which I know has been a big deal for a lot of these producers out oh, there. just horrible. One of the things that I find fascinating about it, uh, you know, you talk about the, this new piece. It's able to follow ground contours for optimal performance and ha- has uh, 
uh, the, the ability to uh, move in a plus or minus five degree correction in combination with uh, the auto contour hydraulic swing movement compensation. So you've got a lot going on there, uh, including uh, fitted sensor bands uh, that, that uh, allow it to really follow that contour. And I, I would have to imagine that that has been a big plus in trying to get through those adverse conditions. You know, it really has. Um, it, it's one thing to to set your head pretty low and point it downward and hope for the best. Uh, with this, we're really following the ground contours, really able to get those points underneath the crop, get it lifted up to where it needs to be so that we can uh, capture all that corn. Um, you know, it's just been a fantastic feature. It, it's much like a flex draper uh, on a combine where um, it's running the contours of the ground uh, to pick a, a soybean, um, for example. So mm -hmm. um, sim similar concept, uh, but we've uh, just had some really great results with it. And you talk about the fitted sensor bands. A third centrally fitted sensor band is available as an option. And uh, I think that uh, you've got a winner with that. We should also mention that, that this thing is stamped from a flat piece of metal with no welded joints. So uh, you've got a lot of durability there. Yeah, you know, we do. It's, uh, it's I think, really important. Just the design of that uh, allows us to attach shorter points to it. So it's just, it's, it's a lot more rigid and stable. Um, and it's allowed allowed us to really kind of go in and in during those difficult conditions uh really uh run hard run low to the ground and uh still hold together and, and do what you needed to do um as far as a head goes when we talk about the 900 you mentioned it just briefly in passing but also features a folding design that allows you to unfold it and fold it in 22 seconds which I know is important in, in places like we are here in uh, in Kentucky and Indiana, where, where you've got a lot of subdivided fields and you're going from field to field and, and you really need to shave off time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's we've we've had a folding head for a while now with the Orbis series, uh, but this design folds a little differently. Uh, and what that allows us to do is um, on our uh, end uh, wheels were able to have a taller tower on those that will capture a little bit more corn just the way that folds out um, so it's designed a little differently it folds qu more quickly um, and it's just been a great addition to our line so to come back to the uh, disco mowers now uh, we talk about the uh, the new 10 series disco 24, 28, and 32 rear mounted mowers, which are designed to work flawlessly year after year. The disc mower features a smaller working width at 7 feet 2 inches uh, to 9 feet 10 inches, and uh, they include the same professional grade max cut cutter bar featured on the larger, more expensive mowers, and a double gearbox. And so you're getting uh, you're getting quite the the bang for the buck there. Yeah, you know, um, this was a little different direction for us. Uh, Kloss is known for big stuff, throughput. Our combines are big, our forage harvesters are big. And um, this is, um, you know, this is for a lot of the uh, farms out there that, that are maybe harvesting a little bit less. Uh, they maybe want to handle a ditch. Um, 
but they still want that quality uh, that's associated with the disco line. And so um, you're able to get that um, at a real similar price point to some of the, uh, um, the maybe the uh, little cheaper um, mowers that are out there. Um, but that's one thing we really haven't skimped on is that mower bar. We want to make sure that that's solid and that's something that you'll see throughout our line. When we talked about this with the headers, uh, the uh, Disco disc ma uh, mowers uh, that, that are side-mounted, uh, the, there's a center of gravity hitching system, uh, which is going to ensure that the mower bed has uniform contact pressure over the entire working width. Uh, so the mower bed quickly responds to changes in ground contour, and uh, that's going to give you cleaner hay and, and stubble. So, uh, again, trying to work with that contour and getting the most out of the equipment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm by no means an engineer, but uh, the engineers there at Klasa have really done a good job of um, making sure the weight is distributed properly um, so that you aren't, um, you know, dragging on one side of the bar and light uh, on another side of the bar. They really wanted to make sure that that, that pressure was even so that uh, as you're going through the different contours of the field, um, you're getting that clean, even cut uh, time and time again. All right. So if this has piqued anybody's interest here, wh where can folks go to uh, find the latest in class offerings? Well, it's pretty simple. You just go to Kloss.com. Uh, you can find us uh, on our Facebook channel uh, at Kloss America and uh, on YouTube channels as well. So we're out on all the social media channels. So I know uh, you were one of the first uh, we, we did with a, with a combine introduction here back in June. And I know I've talked with yeah. a lot of the other manufacturers about this. How have you guys had to shift here in the absence of some of these in-person farm shows uh, to, to kind of take this stuff virtual and still give buyers uh, that experience that they're looking for when they're trying to make an informed uh, buying decision? You know, uh, I, that's a challenge that I think everyone right now is facing. You know, it's, it's a little bit more difficult when you don't have a planned in-person farm show to go to. Uh, we've been doing some things virtually where we've introduced to, to our dealers, to the media, um, uh, through a virtual conference uh, out of our showroom. Uh, we've been able to socially distance and still uh, be able to introduce uh, new products. Uh, the other thing I think we've done a really good job of is we've put a lot of that stuff out on video. Uh, we put it out on our social media channels. So we've, you know, some of that time, some of that effort that we uh, we're using for the farm shows have really gone into um, visual media that uh, allow people to kind of see it in action. They can't can't really kick the tires on it, so to speak, uh, but they can certainly uh, uh, see how it's working. Um, and we're trying to get some comparisons uh, worked up between it and some of its competitors, just so that they can see how it looks um, in comparison to some of the other uh, uh, pieces that are out there. Well, I tell you what, these guys do a great job here. So make sure you go check out those social media channels. Go check out that website. Uh, we really appreciate you, John, taking the time to join us here on Fastline Fast Track to break it all down for us. Pleasure's all ours. Thank you. 
Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, bovine facial identification using a cell phone app? Well, that'll soon be a reality, according to Kansas State University animal scientist Casey Olson. No, this is not just looking at old Black Baldy over there and noticing she has a scar on her face or that cow with the notched ear and white spot on its forehead. Olson says technology is now available to go beyond what the human eye can see or can't see and accurately identify animals. Human facial recognition is now in some places a standard for identification in airports and other secure locations. That technology is based on the geometry of the human head, the face. It uses a a bunch of intricate measurements of the human face to put a permanent identification on a human being so that later on when that human being needs to get on a flight or something similar, they can have a hat on, they can have glasses on, they could have grown facial hair, they could have grown older, but that technology is capable of nearly 100% accurate read rate. The thinking here is that why couldn't we have something like that for beef cattle that we could then use to create a national animal disease traceability system. The researchers gathered 1,000 short videos of feeder cattle restrained in a chute, and the information was loaded into a neural network based on artificial intelligence. These results were encouraging enough to develop a cell phone app. You simply position the cell phone camera in front of an animal. When the conditions are right, as judged by the app, it will snap a series of pictures. It will put a GPS stamp on each one and a date stamp on each one. Those are automatically uploaded to secure cloud database. Any subsequent time, okay, that another producer or another owner would be curious about the origins of a particular calf, they could use the same app, take the pictures, upload those to the database. The information that they would then receive is when the animal was read into the system and where physically where the animal was when it was read into the system. The KSU animal scientist said the technology will be commercialized this fall and possibly before 2021. Producers could add birth weights, vaccination history, and other information. Well, in another bit of technology news this week, dairy farming and hardcore video gaming aren't things you typically think of at the same time. However, times are changing and Dairy Management Incorporated is changing with it. Sustainable dairy farming and how dairy foods are produced are increasingly interesting to consumers, especially for Generation Z. That generation is typically considered to be young people ranging in age from their early teens to their early 20s. DMI CEO Tom Gallagher says the idea is to meet the next generation of consumers where they're at. Nine out of 10 kids in that age group play video games. 90% of Gen Z plays Games and Gen Z, let's define it as early teens to early 20s. They play games. Minecraft is the game that we're focused on right now. That has about even participation from boys and girls. So that's excellent that we can work with both. And we're going to work with four very popular gamers in Minecraft. Joanna Hunter is the executive vice president of communications with DMI. She says they're excited to engage with members of Generation Z on a platform in which they're already engaged. We are going to work with four gaming influencers who have a combined reach of over 120 million. And each of these influencers are going to go and have a virtual farm visit. They're going to visit farms from different areas across the country, different sizes, different sustainability practices. And then after that farm visit, they're going to take what they learned on that visit and build a dairy farm in Minecraft. They may challenge each other on who can build the best dairy farm. They may challenge their followers to build dairy farms of their own. But the goal is for them to engage in that sustainability story and how dairy farmers are working really hard to bring a nutritious, sustainable product 
to that audience. Hunter says DMI is working with some of the top gamers in the nation, and the gamers' followers will start seeing dairy-related content in the next couple of weeks, and that content will continue through November. Colorado dairy farmer Eric DeYonger is scheduled to give the gamers a virtual tour of his operation. My role in it is to show these guys around the dairy actually on like a FaceTime and they're going to go on Minecraft and build a, essentially a replica of the dairy. And why that's important, they'll have 40 million people watch them build a dairy on Minecraft. And so you have all these kids, all these young impressionable people watching this. It's going to be insanely impressionable. So I'm excited to see what these guys are working on and how they modernizing in the way that they market. Gallagher says this won't be the only new marketing channel DMI will look into during the next 12 months. This year, you're going to see us test a few things. We're going to do some things like with Minecraft that we just spoke about here. Through Gen Youth and Fuel Up and Play 60, we're going to do some things with NFL Madden. We're going to do some things at retail. Each retailer these days is creating their own media cloud because TV and other kind of advertising has subsided or become less relevant as companies like Quaker and others have gone to 70% digital. So the retailers are now creating their own channels. So we're doing tests with them. Again, that's Dairy Management Incorporated CEO Tom Gallagher. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, it's time for another installment of Bushels and Scents with our buddy, the Hot Rod Farmer, Ray Bohax. Don't forget to check out all of his great multimedia content at farmmachinerydigest.com. Welcome to Bushels and Scents, a weekly podcast from the Farm Machinery Digest. I am your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer. And never forget, it is not what you make, but what you keep that counts. You decide to not have your seed meters checked and calibrated on your 10-row planter. All seemed good last season, and you'll be planting corn on the same 1,000 acres. The population is set for 36,000 per acre, but when the crop emerges, you see that one row has many skips and another has many doubles. Too late now, the seed is in the ground. Two rows out of a 10-row planter not working correctly is 20% of 1,000 acres or 200 acres. You do a plant population count and find that instead of 36,000, the faulty row units are putting down 30,000 or 17% less seed. Assuming those rows have the same yield per 1,000 seeds, 20% of your ground will yield 17% less crop. The loss may be hard to calculate in bushels, but when you look at your deposit slips at the bank, it will be glaring. Visit FarmMachineRedigest.com, where steel and soil meet. Next up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, Nashville singer-songwriter Dustin Collins, the mastermind behind our Working Man theme song, released his latest single, Stand for the Flag, on Tuesday, October 20th. We had a chance to sit down with him this week to talk about the inspiration for the song. The best way I, I can I, I can put it and, and say where, where my heart was when I wrote the song was um, we're in just like a politically crappy time. You know, everybody is so divisive about every subject and everything. And as Americans, I think the American flag should be the one thing that we're not divisive about. It should be the thing that brings everybody together. Because there was, you know, there's a lot of blood and sacrifice that was that, that was left, so that flag can keep flying. And I think that the world, uh, you know, they're all looking at us right now. And the American flag should be our. That should be our, what we rally behind as as people. 
and the U.S. and and realize that you know it's just like anything. The U.S. flag has a history. We all have a history, but what we need to make it about is the future of what this flag stands for. And you know, while the same way respecting the people that that fought and died to keep it flying, and that's uh that's what the song's about to me. Well, here's a taste of what you can expect when you download the new single, Stand for the Flag, from Dustin Collins. We stand for the flag. You can be damn sure that we're thankful for everything we have. We love this land. Every inch paid for by blood and sweat and the strength to take a stand. You might think that it's a really cool right. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we sit down with one of country music's fastest rising stars, Mira Godo. She has a new single out that's rapidly climbing the charts, and she has some heavy hitters in her corner as she tries to make a name for herself in the industry. Mira, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks so much for having me, Brent. Oh, we appreciate you stopping by tonight. How have you been? Oh, you know, every day is like kind of the same these days, but you know, we're making the most of it. It definitely feels that way. Yeah. So uh, you got the new single out, Anybody Else, and it's doing quite well. And the transition to live streams throughout this pandemic has really served you well. You're doing well with those. You've had a couple that have been pretty big there and, uh, and uh, it's opened up some new doors for you in terms of building an audience in kind of an unusual time. Yeah, I've been um, really fortunate in that I had a live stream following before COVID hit. So I was familiar with how to do it and how to be an engaging live streamer. And so I just tried to start spreading that across different platforms when COVID hit. And it's it's been really fun. <laughs> so uh, what, what's your favorite part of doing that? I know it's you'd much rather be in person where you can get that vibe and that reaction from a crowd and, and see how the music plays with them. But uh, what's, what's your favorite part since you're, you're pinned down having to do it this way? No, that's a great question. Um, my favorite part, actually, I panic purchased um, in March a, um, let me show you uh, over here, a fog bubble machine. Oh, there you go. There it is, my froggy's bubbles. And <laughs> I set it up to my Twitch account. So when people are watching, they can actually control it. So oh. it goes off in my room with like a little, you know, subscribe to my channel or donate to my channel. And so they, it becomes a sticky mess in here, but it's really fun. <laughs> uh, I imagine there's times where, where it goes a little wilder than others though, huh? Yeah, they love it. I actually had to put in a cool down period because it got a little out of control. But <laughs> my long-term plan is that when live shows start again, is I can bring that with me and still live stream my shows and they can control that on stage. <laughs> Well, I'd say if that's the worst problem you have, you're doing all right then. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, before we go any further, let's hear the latest single from Mira Goto. This is Anybody Else on Fast Line, Fast Track. I tried to be the girl in the movies On the cover of a magazine I tried to be the girl that they tried to tell me This is how a girl should be
too hard, they call you a diva. But if you don't, they ask if you're alright. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. You might as well let your freak flag fly. good stuff and you're doing it well these days thank you thank you <laughs> excellent so tell us a bit about yourself i know you were born and raised in the uh santa cruz mountains area california uh, when did music enter your life and what intrigued you about country music in particular uh great question so i actually started playing violin when i was three so i could not get away from music and my parents i like they tried they you know three years old what do you eat what do you know what you want but um i played that until i was a teenager and then i thought you know guitar's cooler i have to switch <laughs> and um i was not raised on country music and so that's kind of my biggest regret my parents to this day are like where did she come from this country singer that we created you know, but I always found myself drawn to the acoustic versions of like popular rock songs and um, and the really like storytelling driven songs. And the, those were the ones on the albums that I would go and I would just play over and over again. And I really wanted to learn how to tell stories in three minutes. And that was, that was what I wanted to do. <laughs> Who were some of those influences that you had? Okay, um, let's see. When I first started learning to play guitar, I was listening to Dashboard Confessional and Dave Matthews Band and trying to learn all of their songs. And, and they were, you know, fun tuning and fun capos and fun, you know, positions on the neck. And then, and then Jack Johnson came out and that whole singer-songwriter movement of like that generation. Uh, after that was Jason Mraz and Colby Calais, whose dad I'm now working with. So that came full circle and blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, John Mayer, we'll, so all those guys. <laughs> we'll definitely get into talking about that a little bit later on here because that's a, a another big milepost here in your career. Oh, yeah. with, uh, 
has really taken off lately. Do you, do you remember, you talk about the songwriting aspect. Do you, do you remember the first song that you wrote or your first attempt at writing the song? And, and what really inspired that? You know, I wish I had some like big aha light bulb moment. The first song that I have like video evidence of me performing in public is still on my YouTube channel. It's back in like 08 or 09 or something. I was playing some some show at a coffee shop with other artists and I I got up and did two songs and one of them was a cover and one of them was the song I'd written. I think it's called Ordinary. And as far as I'm concerned, every time I, it comes up, I can't watch it because I'm like, you've grown so much more than this uh, one. But I like to leave it up there to show the progression. That's good. You, you know, you see a lot of that. Nobody really thought about that when they were getting those first ones out there 10 years ago or so. And and it is, it's neat to see that progression, get to uh, uh, see, see uh, people in, the, in their rawest form and, and, and to uh, go back and, and look and see how you've matured and progressed as an artist. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Plus it makes fun clips for, for people like me to, to pull back later on <laughs> and <laughs> and throw out there. Yeah, it's good to show the journey too, instead of just everything that's polished. I like leaving leaving the stuff up there that's less than perfect because it, it shows the whole picture, you know. Yeah, most definitely. So now you speak you split your time between uh, Santa Cruz and Nashville. And I understand that uh you moved to Nashville about four weeks after you got married. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I haven't been to Nashville since the lockdown started. Things have always been pretty strict out here and we've been trying to um, adhere to that. But um, you know, I'm just dying to get out there again and visit my, my management, my attorney, my merch, my label, everybody's out there. So it's just, it's, it's been a trip, but um, yeah, my husband and I, we got married and uh, we were on our honeymoon. And I remember on our last day, I woke up at like, 4 a.m. I couldn't sleep. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go home and we're going to have a wonderful life together. Or <laughs> mm -hmm. let me just throw a wrench in all these plans we had, honey. Can we move me to Nashville? And I could actually make a go of this for real. And he said, yeah, that's great. And he helped me pack and he, he drove me across the country and he, he was fine spending half of our time apart. I mean, he's been the most supportive partner I could hope for. Uh -huh. is, is he a country music fan himself or oh or yeah is yeah big time he, he loves um lee bryce and nice. and brad paisley are among his favorites so uh, so that so that would made it a little bit easier to swallow i'm sure totally and i play him everything that i write good bad ugly all of it uh-huh so what are, what are your long-term plans? Do you, do you feel like you're always going to have a home base there in California or do you, do you see yourself headed Nashville way at some point or, or up we in the air? It, we talk about it all the time. I think moving to Nashville permanently is always going to be on the table, but yeah. we lead a very blessed life and have the ability to continue to split our time for now. And, you know, my family's here, his work is here. And as long as, we have ties to California. I, I don't see the problem with continuing to bounce. Uh -huh. What is the uh, music vibe uh, out there like? Uh, surf, very like reggae, surf rock. Uh -huh. <laughs> there's, um, there's not a whole lot of country fans in Northern California. Like there's a few of us, you uh -huh. know, we find each other, 
But um, definitely what I get out here a lot is when I, I play a show or something, people will come up to me and they'll go, you know, I don't usually like country music, but I really like your stuff. There and you I go. find there's like a whole subgenre of country of country that, you know, who the other artists that fall into that category are people that I also look up to, like Chris Stapleton, Casey Musgraves, Sturgill Simpson. So it's good company to be in. Yeah. Well, and those guys set the table for sure for, for folks like yourself to be able to go out and, and, and do that and, and, you know, not have such a hard time, but uh, you also got a pretty good uh, little pocket down there in, in the Bakersfield area, Modesto, that area that uh, is in love with it and has been for many, many years. Yeah, the Crystal Palace. You know, yeah. I was I had plans for that this summer that oh. just got swept away. And then of course there's KRTY, the the country station out here. They're still independently owned and operated, and are known for being huge supporters of independent artists. So I'm I'm lucky to be you know in a community that's that's still like really supportive of the indie artists. But yeah. uh, definitely Nashville is like where it's at and. I love to spend as much time there as possible, soaking it in like a sponge. Shout out to all my friends at KUZZ there in Bakersfield. I know uh, uh, a staple for a long time in, in country music, and uh, hopefully they'll be spinning uh, some of your tunes here soon. If not, they should be. Yeah, well, I love Bakersfield. I used to spend a week there every summer. I got family down there. So. Uh-huh. Have you, uh, really, since you got in, interested in country music, have you kind of delved into the history at all and gone back and listened to some of those, especially the really powerful songwriters? I try. You know, I do the best I can. I feel like I'm playing catch up all the time. And whenever we talk about the history of country music, people always shame me for not knowing more. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I know that makes me a terrible country artist, but I, you know, I'm behind. I'm behind the time. So tell you what, who should I be listening to? Uh, well, uh, let's see. Uh, where do we start here? We could. Uh, I was just having somebody uh, uh, this discussion with somebody yesterday, and and there's one or two names that always come up on the show. One is Dolly Parton. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, Loretta Lynn, Patsy Cline, of course. Uh, uh, you know, going all the way back to the Carter sisters and the Carter family, and uh, you know. Uh, Kitty Wells, uh, I think, is very powerful. I think those are some of the uh, the staples there, obviously. Absolutely. But there, there, there's so many directions. It's once you start getting into those artists and, and starting to peel back the layers and going down the rabbit trail is where you find some really powerful, special stuff there, for sure. Yeah, the heart and soul of it and, and the platform upon which all current country artists stand. Yeah. Then you get up to some of the, the the more current ones like Amy Lou Harris. You, you know, I hear a lot of people uh, get, giving props to her as a, as a major influence. You know, in their songwriting and so forth. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's limitless. But I think it's exciting to see uh, people who have uh, a well rounded interest in, in many genres and then come in here and uh, and uh, try try to uh, make a go of it in country music too, because I think that th those barriers aren't there where they used to be, it, you know, where, where there was this line in the sand and, and rock people, unless it was a huge crossover, didn't do country, you know, country people didn't, uh, you know, try to bridge that gap and do anything else. And, and, and now you see a lot of crossover, a lot of carryover and, and, you know, as long as it works for you and people like it, why, why not? I think it. uh, we, we all need good music these days, probably now more than ever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
I I am a huge fan of 90s rock. So that's like in March and April when I was, you know, bummed out about my whole tour getting canceled and everything. I um that's what I was listening to a lot. It's my comfort, right? It's very nostalgic for me because I grew up in the 90s. And so that's um definitely a huge influence for me. Uh-huh. Is, is it more along the lines of grunge? Seattle? Um, you know, Chris Carnell and Soundgarden yeah. and um yeah. Stone Age and Strokes. So I don't know. Yeah. That's good stuff. Anytime you can work some of those, because there's a lot of good songwriting in that, you know? Totally. And and the chord progression, the music, the guitar solos. Yeah. I'm like, I'm always like, man, I need more guitar solos in my songs. Yeah. It's always <laughs> fun to me to uh, see uh, when you go see somebody live and they have the appreciation for either 80s or 90s rock like that. And, you know, the, they'll kick it up a notch in a live set and, and throw some of that stuff in there and, and, and put their own stamp on it and uh, bring a little energy to the crowd, especially if it's an artist that you really haven't heard much from, that you don't know a lot of their own original material, that, that they'll uh, throw that in there and kind of get things moving a little bit. That's that's always fun. Yeah, we um, we really like throwing a Queen song. There you go. We, when I do the full band set, we like to do Fat Bottom Girls. I was in a all female Queen tribute band for a while. I oh, was, there we go. I was Brianna May instead of Brian May, and I had to wear this like huge wig that went all the way down to my waist. <laughs> I mean, it was very difficult to play guitar, and it was so hot and itchy. But um, you know, it was a good chapter, obviously, and it, it taught me a lot uh, about guitar, about Queen, about music in general, and, and the influence that they had on, I mean, everything that came after them. And so I really love being able to pull that and, and throw it into my set because I don't think anybody expects it. <laughs> no, for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think of, about the only country artist that, that I've seen do that, or at least when they were playing country, was uh, the band Perry. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I knew through a cover of that in there, but... <laughs> I can't recall anybody else having done that. So I think you're in pretty good company there. Well, thank you. So what, what was your take on the uh, the movie that came out a couple of years ago, the Queen pick that came out? Oh, the Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh -huh. I thought it was really great. I'm, I love those biopics because it's, it's a peek behind the curtain of who those guys were as people and the experience that they had uh, dealing with the level of fame and success that they had. So it was... I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So uh, I, I know kind of reading up on you a little bit. Uh, initially, when you jumped into this, you thought maybe it would be a hobby at the most, a sideline. But uh, here we sit, and you're not too far away from launching uh, your EP. Uh, you're in good company as far as your management and the folks you got on your production team. And all of a sudden, you've made a career out of this thing. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's... um. You know, that's the dream. I, I always say, like, I would I would love to, you know, I have goals, right? We all have goals. We have, like, the realistic goals, and then we have our separate, like, our dream goals. Like, this would be blow the roof off this thing if if we could get this. But but I'm putting out music that I'm, I'm proud of, mm -hmm. and I'm having a good time doing it. So um, I think I'm already winning. Yeah. Well, and the other part is uh, that people are responding. Yeah, I think I've learned in the last few years is that if you uh, if you tell the truth, people believe you. Yeah. So I started trying to tell the truth in my songs, and those were the ones that people 
will come up to me in my shows with tears in their eyes and go, oh my God, nobody ever talks about this, but that's totally my life. So that things like that make me want to keep doing it and 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 try to hit those those feels that we that we we all have but i don't know they speak to you on different levels well before we go any further let's hear one from miragoto this was a big old hit for her this is nobody warned me on fast line fast track they tried to talk me out of leaving but my heart made up its mind so they warned me about the dangers of taking on a three-day drive they warned me about weather about the tornadoes how the summer sure gets hot and winter's twice as cold daddy gave me a can of pepper spray said it's best to be prepared mama slipped me a little money she said this ought to get you there they warned me about strangers about living on my own about ups and downs the sights and sounds and a thousand do's and don'ts but not about the about a sweet surprise these feelings that i'm feeling are ones that i don't want to fight you waltzed right in with just one smile and swept me off from my feet i was warned about the bad things that this town might do to me song so a pivotal moment in your career came in 2017 when you entered the west coast songwriters contest and won every round up into the grand finals and that afforded you the opportunity to play that organization's convention and it was there that you met ken calais who engineered fleetwood max legendary rumors album and if the calais name uh, sounds familiar also the uh, father as you mentioned earlier of uh, kobe calais who's probably 
uh, one of my favorite artists of the last 20 years here. Man, anytime she sings a ballad. That girl's voice. It's like, it's like butter. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm a big fan of her. And so, um, in fact, I was in college and one of my friends gave me her CD and said, this sounds like you. I think you should listen to it. And it was Coco. It was like the first album that she put out. And I heard that and I thought, man, okay, there's people that are listening to music like this so I can do it too. Mm -hmm. And that was really what gave me the the forceful shove into like leaving nursing school. Yeah. <laughs> And if fate would have it, here you are. Yeah, I'm, um, you know, fortunate enough to be working with her dad, who's a freaking legend. And um, he's an absolute dream to work with. You know, he's super, super artist focused. So anytime he does anything to the song, to the mix, to the band, to the recording, any of it, he makes sure that it's in a direction that I artistically wanted to go in. And um, so that's, you know, that's, that's the best case scenario. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, th th do you feel like you guys clicked from the start in terms of uh, a, a working relationship that, uh, uh, you know, there's always got to be give and take there. And I know uh, coming in as an artist, you like to have your, your say in things. Um, no, absolutely. We, we clicked from the start. He's, he's super fun, very funny and very easy to work with. And um, I think we have a good like banter going now, uh -huh. but um uh, you know, he's intimidating because of who he is and his name and his his dynasty that he's built. So at first I was I was like a lot more shy. And then I realized, no, he like he wants me to be involved and he thinks of me as an equal part in this project that he and I are working on together. So, um, you know, I had to had to get comfortable very, really quick. And it was, yeah. it was good, though. I know Nashville being the epicenter of uh, all things country, but you guys actually cut uh, the, this record out in, in California. That's a good question. Um, uh, we cut some in California and some in Nashville because his, you know, his studio is in LA. Mm -hmm. And so I did, did some of it there and some of it in, uh, in Nashville. Okay. Gotcha. Is it, I mean, when you get into a recording studio, is it a recording studio is a recording studio or, uh, was it a, a different experience from one to the other or, or how did that go for you? Um, that's a good question. I find that um, the studios are all at that kind of level, you know, mm. that I'm fortunate enough to be working at. I don't necessarily, I mean, I feel like there's always, there's always going to be like a better, shinier and brighter yeah. option, but um, everything that I'm going into has all the bells and whistles that I need. Yeah. Um, to make it work so it's really about the producer who becomes essentially another member of the band because they they breathe life into the songs that you walk in with yeah do you remember the first time stepping into that vocal booth to deliver vocals that you knew were going to be recorded for for uh for other people to hear the first time i ever stepped into a vocal booth would have to be, let's see. My sister and I like recorded <laughs> six cover songs for my mom for Mother's Day when we were in high school. <laughs> and that one, that was, I don't know if that counts because it was just straight through, right? Yeah. Um, then I played guitar and we just like live tracked the whole thing. Um, 
I had uh, put out an EP under my maiden name, Mira Parfit. And so that was my first time really going into the recording studio and um, not knowing what I was doing. But the producer that I was working with at the time, Brad Gordon, he was a fantastic vocal coach. And I, I learned how to take direction vocally from a producer. And so I also learned that that's, that's what I love to work with is somebody who's, who's okay, now do it sad. Okay, now do it, but like extend that that word. Okay, now make sure we can hear that syllable. And so I'm I'm very good at taking direction if I'm working with somebody who knows how to how to give that. You know, uh -huh. is that the same sort of vibe that you get from from uh, working with with your current team? Oh yeah, definitely. They, I mean, they're stacked with talent in there. So um, at Artist Max, they're they great. We have great engineers the whole time. Michael Blue co-produced a number of songs on this album too. So I'm I'm a lucky girl. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I I tell you what, uh, folks have taken notice here. Uh, you were the Nexties Musician of the Year in 2019, uh, which is a big deal. Uh, I mean that that is uh, purely fan nominated and fan voted. Uh, so yeah. to to win that, that's a huge deal. Uh, yeah, especially in your community too. Yeah. You know? your community embrace you like that is a big deal and then the santa cruz good times best local musician of the artist of the year for 2020 so a lot of love there in uh, in the santa cruz area yeah that that one was um bittersweet because we knew we knew about it in february when things were still <laughs> normal and then um it came out like march 20th and so we <laughs> When, we, when it was announced, we were like, okay, but like we need toilet paper. <laughs> but it's still, you know, it's still obviously very, very flattering and, and a, a great um, accomplishment. And, and I'm grateful to my hometown for embracing me that way. That date caught my ear when I had heard that earlier today because that, that was the date that basically I went underground here and I've been uh, working out of my basement uh, since that date here. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because the tornadoes were only two weeks before that. Yeah. And I was out in Nashville for those tornadoes, too. So. Oh, man. Yeah. Were, were you close to that area in North Nashville where it hit? Not not relatively speaking to where everybody was. We, you know, I was a few miles from it. So we were we were safe. But um, closest uh, this California girl has ever been to a tornado. Let me tell you. And you'd probably I, be fine if that was the closest you ever get, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was a really tough day for the state. Even though it kind of uh, uh, just uh, really impacted that area hard, it, it had a huge impact on, on the whole community. You know, everybody felt it, and it was the the effects were far reaching. So we had a um a showcase. The, so it half the tornado was at like from one to two in the morning, I think, and we had a showcase at like ten a.m. <laughs> Ooh. in Nashville and so I, it was the whole band we were going to get there an hour early and we were all going to run the whole set and then the it was a showcase like an internal um industry showcase and so um but we got there and like half the band wasn't there because they were right in the line and I just was grateful to get them on the phone and know that they were fine you know one guy's like my mailbox is gone I'm like look for your mailbox we're fine so we ended up doing a fully acoustic showcase that day to half of the people that you know we're supposed to come because it was it was tough but hey look you do what you can and little did you know that that was just going to be a harbinger of things to come here for <laughs> that was the last live show 
what what is uh I, I know this is always a loaded question the rest of this year and into 21 looking like i mean are you are you picking up any bookings are you looking at uh anything that you'll be able to get out and do or is it still too premature to be able to to say well um i actually started something kind of fun um once i got past the whole this sucks. What am I going to do with my life chapter? The first quarter of quarantine, if you will. Um, I started doing mobile concerts. You know, we've had a few cancellations with the fires out here with poor air quality. Nobody wants to, you know, and a few were, were booked in the evacuation zone. So they wanted time to get home and clean all the ash off of everything. Um, but those have been really, really nice. I mean, uh -huh. they turned into they turn into community nights. And so all the neighbors come out and um, the the person that, that hosts me, that you know hires me, puts little chalk marks on the driveway for yeah. they're six feet apart. And you put everybody brings their little beach chairs. And that's it's really been so special for me to have that soul food where I get to perform and I get to meet uh, more members of the community that I live in. Um, but also I think that the people that hire me are the ones that truly love live music and it's an excuse for people to get dressed up and go out and do something social because we don't have a lot of opportunities to do that these days. What a cool way to build a following though, just organically, you know, the, the, the small shows, you know, just handfuls of people at a time. And, uh, uh, I know I had a chance to uh, to, to spend a few minutes uh, uh, over the weekend with my buddy J.D. Shelburne, who's had a song on, on CMT here uh, lately, uh, Church Pew Barstool. And uh, I've kind of watched how he created his career, and it was that same thing, just just getting those little shows. And when I stopped by, he was getting ready to play a live show over the weekend, and that place was just filled with all those people that were there for those little 15 20 100 person shows and now all of a sudden these are the hardcore fans that go out and buy the merch go out and tell everybody else about it and it's cool to see because that's how career is born yeah it's it's crazy because these these people you know some of them haven't left their homes in yeah months and and then they come up to me and they're like, this is the most special night I've had since March 17th, which is when California went into like major lockdown. So um, I feel I feel truly blessed to be a part of that and be a catalyst for getting getting people out of their out of their homes for a minute, just a brief vacation from what we're going through. And again, I mean, that's the power of music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we talked about uh, a lot of uh, the, the the approach to building an audience through live stream, but not just in this country, but but you've built a, a, quite a following for yourself overseas, especially Europe. Yeah, the, I love my European fans. I always try to do earlier live streams occasionally, you know, 11 or 12 o'clock um, California time, a.m. and then p.m. for 12 um because you know there's there's enough of them over there um but i attribute all that to live streaming i've done very few shows over there and was hoping to get over there this year to do a little tour in the uk but um obviously it didn't pan out but it will someday and mm -hmm. uh, you know country music evolved from irish folk music and so i was i didn't know that at the time when i went to ireland and they were like oh we love country what? I had no idea. There's big, massive country fans over Huge. there. So yeah. that's 
What was that experience like getting to play over there? Um, it was a trip. There's um, a, a whole, it's a whole different level of appreciation for music over there. It's, um, they'll listen to mm -hmm. you, even if you're not, if even if they don't know your name, you're not on a major label, they don't know you from the radio, they just, if they like what they're hearing, they'll stay for the whole thing. And in a, like a listening type of audience too, which is like my dream audience. If you're, if I have a captivated audience, that's like a listening room. Yeah. I feel like that's, you know, that's a great opportunity for me to showcase what I do. So every audience I've, I've ever played over there has been a listening room. And it seems too like the artists uh, that I've really paid attention to who develop a following over there, uh, those are the people that are jumping on live streams, making comments, uh, you know, really supporting and, and, and telling everybody else about it. So it, it's fun to watch how all that stuff grows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, trying, I'm wondering how many different languages I should try to learn now, <laughs> even just at the basic level so that I can, when I start crossing the borders, they're all like so much closer to get all those countries. So that's a lot of different languages. <laughs> we'll see what I can do. Yeah, well, it's good. it seems like it'll open up a lot of doors to uh, to bring a lot of great experiences here. Yeah, I should be so lucky to get to do a tour in Europe. That would be a dream come true. So you, know, you talked about doing the uh, the live concerts and, and and going out there, reaching out to communities is something that's really been on your heart for a long time. I know that uh, big passion of yours is volunteer work, and a favorite charity of yours is musicians on call. Uh, tell us a bit about your involvement with that and why it's near and dear to your heart. Well, Musicians on Call puts uh, singers in hospitals to sing to patients. I um, requested to be in the pediatric unit singing to children. So, you know, that's everybody from, from, from babies to, I mean, even beyond 18 for some of the like longer term um, patients that have just been there for off and on their whole childhood. So they're like the pediatric unit is familiar with their cases. And um, I, I was going to be a nurse. That was what I was studying to be in school. And I was studying microbiology and writing songs in the middle of my lecture hall. Whereas now <laughs> it is not the other way around. I am not <laughs> studying microbiology in my co-writing appointments. So um, I, found, I found a way to bring it back full circle and still get to go into hospitals and um, and and work with um, patients in a in a different way, but in a way that that really you know resonates with me. Yeah, what uh, what has been the most rewarding of that? I mean, in terms of uh, just seeing how you can, can move people at that personal level at, at a time when they're really vulnerable. You know, I have a weird answer for this. Um, it's probably not what you're expecting, but I would say less than half of the, so, so I go with a guide. There's, there's people that sing and then there's people that don't sing and that they're called guides. So I kind of stand outside the room behind the wall so they can't see me. So they don't have to reject me directly if they don't want to hear music today. So the guide will go in and say, you know, I have, I have a singer here. Would you like to hear music? And it's, it's the only thing most, I mean, more often than not, it's the only thing that they have an option to say no to. When you're yeah. a patient in a hospital and you're a minor, you have to just like let all of these things happen to you. So I, I really like the idea of empowering a patient, 
especially a child that that gets to say no to something. No, I want my space. I want to be alone. Like I I mean I would love to sing to them, but if they don't want to, I think that's fantastic that they get the opportunity to say I'm I'm not in the mood for that right now, but thank you. Yeah. Um I mean, it's going to be a, a, just a, a moving experience to uh, just because that is such a personal time. You know? Yeah. You know, the parents, too, are always um, they love speaking for the for their child sometimes, you know, especially if they're younger or if they're nonverbal. So um, getting to sing to the child, give the child a distraction and getting to see the parent just watch the child smile for like two minutes while we sing the itsy bitsy spider that's um that's i mean there's nothing like that well here, here's praying there's a day when uh, that moves somebody that uh, is able to recover and uh, think so much of what you did that uh, it inspires them to do something similar yeah i mean i'm the lucky one that gets to just go and then leave right so we yeah. always hope ever see them we always say we hope we don't have to see you again yeah yeah well and you always find out too that it blesses you probably more than it does them yeah i think definitely um it feels selfish sometimes i'm like i get so much out of this yeah yeah well speaking of which i know the holidays are coming up and uh, from what i understand another favorite program of yours is adopt a family uh, which is something that you and your husband take part in every year how did you get started in that um, that's a good question. And I don't know that I have a very clear answer to that I think it was, we just knew that we wanted to do something within our community to give back. Um, I was literally thinking about it today, thinking, and we should probably, um, you know, my husband got to keep his job and I get to do what I get to do with contaminant. Mean, I don't get to do the live shows, but I'm still doing great as far as I'm concerned my yeah. are still moving forward and so I was wondering if we should um adopt more than one family this year because it's been a hard year for the country and the world but um that's that's really cool they so um adopt a family will um sponsor families around town that um can't afford Christmas presents for their themselves, their kids, and they write down interests and sizes and and hobbies, and, um, and so we we go shopping for them and wrap everything. And um, over the years, we've kind of started going a little bit over the top. <laughs> we really like to just spoil the hell out of a family and um, color code everything per person. And we we we've increased our family sizes every year by by a person. I think we started with three now we're up to like five or six and so i think we can split it into two families now but that's at the the um organization's discretion of course that's so fun it's really nice yeah so what dream do you have any kind of dream projects or anything that uh you want to accomplish here in your career or, or people you want to collaborate with or or anything like that, that, that that's really been uh, kind of on your radar here, especially lately, as you've had more time to stop and think about some of this. Yeah, a thousand percent. I have this like, you ready? Yeah. I want to do CMT Crossroads with Alanis Morissette. There you go. That's that my. Be- I would. Lo- I just freaking love her. I love her, and I would love to do something with her. Um, I mean, I want a Grammy. Yeah. Yeah, I would turn that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I. 
I just want to keep putting music out that I'm proud of. Really, um, my as far as I'm concerned, the 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 peak of success for me would be if I could tour the world and play maybe 200 seated theaters in places I've never been and have the crowd sing the words of my songs back to me. Uh -huh. That's the dream. And maybe one 5,000-ish seats uh, theater in the, in the Grand Ole Opry, I would imagine. I mean, I'm not going to say no to that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, anything more than that would be a bonus. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So if we could get to the 200-seater level in a town I've never been to, I I would expect it to be a little bigger, like in my hometown or in places yeah. I frequent. But in somewhere I've never been, 200 sold out. And everybody knows the words to my songs. That's, that's that's excellent. Well, before we get out of here this week, let's say we hear one more from Miragoto. This time, we'll let her go acoustic. I have um I have an EP coming out on October sixteenth. Um, most of the songs on it I've put out already as singles, but there's a couple more on there that are unreleased. And so this is this is one of the ones that hasn't come out yet. It's called Tequila Told Me To. Oh, so 
did I do? Tequila, tequila, don't be doing no. What did I do? Tequila, tequila, don't be doing no. What did I do? Tequila, tequila, don't be doing. And another relatable song from Miragoto. I have this theory that everybody's got a tequila story. <laughs> a tequila story, a whiskey story. Yeah, it's like the law. If you if you work in country music, you have to have a song about whiskey. So that's right. We had a couple of those too, but I'm a tequila girl, so I had to have my tequila song. <laughs> We knew EP just dropped last week. If folks want to buy that or if they want to keep tabs on everything that you've got going on, where can they go? You can visit my website, M-I-R-A-G-O-T-O dot com or find me on all the social media platforms. I'm super responsive and I would love to hear from you. And, you know, I share a lot of myself, but I like to get to know you guys as well. Also, make sure you follow her on those socials so you can see some of those live streams because... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I know even before uh, uh, your publicist reached out to me, uh, uh, you were one I had in the back of my mind because I had just randomly caught uh, one, one or two of them here. And I thought, wow, she, she's, uh, she is going to be a star. And that's, uh, those are special. And uh, I, I was uh, beside myself when, when Bev reached out to me and, uh, and asked uh, if I'd like to have you on because, uh, yeah, I didn't have to think. But uh, a split second and... Uh, here you are. Uh, so. That means a lot to me coming from you. Thank you. I so I'm, so I'm glad you were able to do it. And I'm already looking forward to our next chat here. I hope you come back. Uh, you know, whenever you got new music to promote, we'd love to have you along. Or if you just want to come and hang out. And once, uh, <laughs> once we get Nashville going, uh, God willing, hopefully we can open things up to the point where we can do one of these in person here. Because oh, yeah. uh, a rooster and I, we're ready to get back on the road, man. We're ready to get this stuff going in person here. I hear that. Well, I do the best of luck with the EP and I uh, hope everybody go check out your website. And uh, again, uh, can't wait to have you back. And thank you so much. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Take care, Brent. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening to and supporting Fast Line Fast Track. We also want to say a special shout out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Hope that when you're in the Nashville area, you go and check them out. They have a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise. And if they don't have it, I know they'll find it for you. They also have a newly redesigned website for you to check out at ErnestTubb.com. The store is open Sunday to Thursday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. So when they're open, stop by and say hi and tell them you heard it on Fast Line Fast Track. Also want to say a special shout out to our friends at Farm Life and thank them for their support of Fast Line Fast Track. Please go over and give them a like on their Facebook page so you can connect with others interested in agriculture. And join me over on their page every Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern Time as I join my buddy Brandon Deal to talk about the things that are on farmers' minds. And speaking of things on farmers' minds, the tax man is coming. Do you have equipment to buy? Now's the time to get in those Section 179 purchases before the end of the year. So head on over to FastLine.com and check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by iron solutions again that's fastline.com while you're on the website make sure you sign up for the print catalog for your state or region no need to head into town to pick one up off the convenience store rack the fastline catalog is being delivered directly to your mailbox and it's still a favorite 
resource of farmers and ranchers across our great country. And remember, subscribe to the Fast Line Fast Track podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Deezer, Audible, and Radio.com. And also be sure to hit us up on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, it's time for us to get on out of here. So until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back. And bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com.